Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Week two, we're, we're doing this series called Doubting God, and uh, last week we, we started uh, our topic with a message called Doubters Club, and uh, uh, I, am, I know there's some members of the Doubters Club here, and I want you to know as we get started here that you are welcome in this place. Amen, Simple Church? We welcome doubters. We welcome your questions, your concerns. We are at, absolutely open to them, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm really thankful that you're here. Another thing I'm really thankful for is that, that man, you know, contrary to popular belief, uh, Christianity is growing and expanding across the world. Uh, I think that is a beautiful thing. There are thousands of people coming to faith every week, putting their faith in Jesus and trusting him. And I think that is a really, really awesome thing to celebrate. But I think it's also important to notice that in this season, what's happening is there are some Christians, Christians, already Christ followers, who are making the choice, they're deciding not to be Christians anymore. And, and, and there are these people that are walking away from faith. They are deconverting or deconstructing their faith. And these are Christians that have grown up in church, right? They, they grew up understanding uh, in, a, in a Christian home. They grew up uh, going to a Christian church. They may have even served in a church or maybe in leadership at a church, but somewhere along the way, they had some questions, and somebody told them that wasn't okay. Somewhere along the way, they got hurt. Whether that was by, in relationship with somebody within the church or outside the church, they, got, they had some hurts, and the church didn't have any answers for them. Told them to suck it up, buttercup, become a bridge builder, you know? Build a bridge and get over it. Come on, tell me that that isn't a true experience in your church life. It just happens. Well, Jesus isn't Jesus enough. Yes, Jesus is enough, but also I've got these hurts and these pains inside and these questions. People have these spiritual doubts, and rather than pursuing a growing relationship with Jesus, what they're choosing to do because of their experience when they have questions is they are walking away from the faith. They're leaving Christianity. And I'm here to tell you that instead of shaming people when they have questions, Instead of blaming them, instead of pointing a finger, instead of pushing those people away, what we need to do as a church is kind of take some responsibility. What does that mean? Well, I think we've got a role to play in why so many of them are leaving. I think that today I'm going to ask you to be open-minded, and I'm going to ask you to consider. Consider the question, how can we as Christians help people who have doubts and questions, and hurts, and concerns. What role do we have, and are we making things better, or are we making things worse for them? And I'm going to look at it through the lens of uh, Matthew chapter 14, and there's a story about Peter here that I want to get into, and I think it's a really powerful thing. But we've got a role to play, and I want you to see that what we need to do is be like Jesus. Isn't that the goal, everybody? It's to be like Jesus, to follow him, do what he did. And we can see exactly how Jesus handled doubters in Scripture. In Matthew 14, uh, the disciples are all in a boat. Jesus said, go on over to the other side. And they're all in this boat. And, uh, and, and things kind of get kind of rocky. And in the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water. And the disciples are scared. Yet again. 
and I, I want to get to heaven, and I just want to, because I'm a bit of a prankster. Like, I like, I like doing creepy stuff just to spook people out, or, you know, spook people, you know what I mean? And I'm like, Jesus, did you just do this to creep them out? Like, was this a choice that you made to go walking on the water in the middle of the night just to spook your overly superstitious disciples? Is this what you did? But all of them are scared, and everybody's freaking out, except Peter. Everybody else is like, it's a ghost. And Peter's like, no, I think that's Jesus. And so he calls out to Jesus, and he says this to him in, in Matthew 14, verse 28. He said, Lord, if it's you. How many of you guys have prayed that prayer before? Lord, if it's you. I'll get a good parking spot when I get to the mall. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Lord, if it's you, they'll give me a double portion of chicken at Chipotle and won't charge me. Come on, somebody. The line will be short. Lord, come on. You guys have prayed this prayer before, right? I'm not the only one. But he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. See, Peter's focus shifted somewhere else. And I think that happens to us in life. We have these tragedies. We have these situations that come up that take our focus off Jesus and put it on ourselves, put it on our circumstances. We lose focus. And when we do, we, like Peter... Start to doubt. We get afraid. We start looking to ourselves for the answers, for the resources to to upend all the problems in our lives. And it says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And watch this. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, before you give Peter a bad rap here, let me just point out that none of the other disciples got out of the boat. All of them were sitting in a moist area of the boat, but it wasn't because of the waves. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They're all scared. And Peter, the impetuous Peter, Right? If Doubting Thomas gets a name, Peter gets one too. Impetuous Peter. Try to say that one five times fast. Peter jumps out of the boat. This guy's bold. He's courageous. He's got faith. So he's not a faithless guy. But this, this verse, man, it seems a little strong. So let me ask you guys, just all of you today participating, throw your hand up. Have you ever had any spiritual doubts before? All, look around. Keep them up. All look around this room. Yeah, we've all had doubts before. Now, to each one of you that answered, I want to thank you for your honesty because I know that it can be scary to be honest about this particular subject in church. Some of you have been burned by being honest about your doubts in church. Why? Well, because the church has a history of violence. Whether it's physical violence because you don't believe the way that I do and we start wars over it, or whether it's relational violence or emotional violence where we shame you, The church has a history. We mistreat people that have doubts. So to admit you have doubts, given our history, I want to thank you for your honesty today, folks. Appreciate you being here. This is a safe space. Now today as I talk, I want to talk to two different groups. 
The first group is those of you here in this room that currently have spiritual doubts. And I want to say this, first of all, if you missed last week, your doubts don't disqualify your faith. If you're taking notes, write it down. Your doubts do not disqualify your faith. That is absolutely true. Just because you have doubts does not mean that you are not a believer and that you can't follow Jesus, okay? That, that's just not what it means. Real faith isn't the absence of doubt. Real faith pushes you through doubt to a deeper faith, okay? That's what it does. And so I want to talk to those of you who are here today and you're unsettled in your spiritual journey. You have some doubts. And then I want to talk to those of you that are currently helping someone or you would like to be able to help people on that journey through their doubts. Because I think that we can help them. Instead of looking down on people, instead of calling them sinners, instead of shaming them for their doubts, I believe that you and I are positioned to show love, grace, mercy, and my goodness, patience as people walk through their questions, their doubts, and their concerns. Can I get a better amen than that? We ought to be the ones that they can come to when they are struggling. And so to help both of those people, those groups, those that are in the doubters clubs and those that want to help them, I want to remind you, doubt is not the enemy of faith. Doubt is often an invitation to a deeper faith. So just because you have doubts does not mean that you're losing your faith altogether. This is the mistake that a lot of people make. They think, well, I've got doubts. I don't belong in the Christian club. We've got some work to do in order to correct that culture because doubt can be an invitation to a deeper faith. How do I know that? Well, back to Peter. Back to the story with Peter. Jesus asks Peter that question after he's sinking. He says, why did you doubt? Now, this question at first, if I were to say it to you, it might feel a little harsh. It might feel a little direct. It almost might feel like he's shaming a little bit. But when you look into scripture and you start to study who Jesus is, you'll see that there was no place that Jesus ever stood and nobody that Jesus ever talked to that shame existed. Not even a woman who was caught in the middle of the throes of adultery. She was thrown into public naked. And Jesus refused to shame her by looking on her nakedness. Jesus doesn't walk in shame. That's not what he deals in. He deals in love and grace. So then what was Jesus really doing when he asked this question of Peter, why did you doubt? What's he doing? He's giving him an opportunity to grow. He's giving him this invitation. You know, I've had my doubts in my life. I've absolutely. One of the biggest doubts in my life was back in, in oh my goodness, 2011, I want to say, when my pastor sat down with me and had coffee and said, you ever thought about being a pastor? And I hung my head because I did and had. I knew since age 16 I was supposed to be in ministry, and this is what I was called to do. I knew this was what God had purposed for me. Didn't know how to do it. Had my own spiritual journey to walk on, one that included me walking away from faith entirely. And here this guy, after God has restored my life, broken me free from, from addiction, restored my, my second marriage that was in the toilet. Like God's doing this crazy cool stuff in my life. And here he is asking, have you ever thought about being a pastor? And I'm like, yeah. But I got my doubts. Do you know what I've done? 
Do you know the mistakes I've made? Do you know what I've said about God's church and his people? Do you know the bridges that I've burned? Do you know? And I had my doubts that my life choices had disqualified me from God using me and assigning me this purpose, especially to be a pastor, to be the guy standing up in the front of the room that you all think has it together. Guess what? I don't. But Jesus does, and he's good. So I just follow that guy. I just do what he does. Can't mess it up. But I've had my doubts. Doubting you could use me because of my past, because of my lack of experience, because of my lack of education. You know, I didn't go to, I didn't go to Bible school. At, not at that time, I hadn't. I had my doubts. Can God really use a simple guy like me? Turns out he can. Why do you doubt? Because you got questions you can't answer? You doubt probably because of, you know, you've read this article about apparent contradictions in Scripture and because you can't reconcile that, that's the reason you doubt. Or maybe, maybe because you read something that says science disproves the Bible and actually the Bible just kind of confirms what science is starting to learn. Yeah, I mean, you know. Or some of you push back like, well, there's lots of faiths out there in the world and there's, there's many roads surely to God. Jesus is just too exclusive. I mean, he says that he's the only way. Listen to me, Jesus is not exclusive, he's just specific. <laughs> there, there's one way to God and it's through him. Or maybe, maybe you have doubts because of some pain and suffering that either you've gone through or that you see in this world. And surely, if God's so good, if he's all-powerful, why doesn't he stop these things from happening? Why is there a war in Ukraine? Why is human trafficking a thing? Why are there children starving in other countries? If God's so good, why is pain and suffering allowed in this earth? Or maybe you've got doubts because you have prayed and prayed and prayed over an issue and it still exists. You prayed for your loved one who had cancer and they still died. You prayed for your marriage or maybe for your parents' marriage and they still wound up divorced and you've just got more questions. Unanswered prayers have caused you to have doubts or maybe it's because of the hypocrisy that you see in the people around you, your pastors or your parents who have secret sexual addictions and issues that are not seen on a stage. And when you find out that they preach, they preach being faithful, and yet they are being completely unfaithful in their private lives. Maybe you've experienced that, and you've got doubts. Or maybe you're like a lot of us, what we read in Scripture, we just don't see happening in God's church today. And I don't mean in the church service, I mean in the church, which is you. In your lives. I don't know why you have your doubts. But we all have them. And Jesus asked Peter, why did you doubt? It might sound heavy. It might sound like an accusation. But Jesus loved Peter. And he's using this moment to disciple him well. Because if Jesus didn't love him, why did he reach out his hand and save Peter? Why didn't he just let him drown in his doubts? Because he loved him. So here's the thought. What if this question isn't an accusation, but an invitation? He's not condemning Peter. He's encouraging him. He's encouraging him. 
Because see, Peter was there drowning in his doubts, and Jesus met him there in that space. Met him right there. Jesus said, why did you doubt? I'm here for you. So when Peter starts doubting, Jesus doesn't panic. He takes a moment with Peter, and he begins to process with him. Let's talk about it, bud. That doubt you've got right there. Let's talk about it. Why did you doubt? What's at the heart of that? What caused you that? It wasn't an accusation. It was an invitation to a deeper faith. And I think there's a danger around people in our lives that have doubts because the danger is simply this, that we as Christians may not handle their doubts well. We may feel like it's a threat to our own faith. And as a result, we shame people, we judge people, or we make accusations, and unintentionally, we push them away. And when people are pushed away, some of them wind up deconstructing their faith or even really just walking away from Christianity. How many of you guys have heard, heard the phrase, it's kind of a hot topic today, uh, of deconstruction of your faith? How many of you guys, just by show of hands, have heard that? Okay, if you're on TikTok at all, or maybe on the side of TikTok I'm on, you see that a lot. People deconstructing their faith, and when they deconstruct, they start asking questions of the church and what they've experienced, and when they find that some of the things that they believed weren't true, they go, well, maybe it's all not true, and they walk away from it completely. Well, deconstruction, I think it could be very, very helpful, very, very helpful thing, especially in Christianity. It's healthy to deconstruct because I believe it'll lead you to a deeper faith. Done poorly, deconstruction hurts people. Done poorly, it hurts you. For example, if you get hurt by a Christian, you start deconstructing your faith and you might begin to believe that all Christians are bad. Or maybe you get hurt in your participation at a church and you begin to believe that all churches are bad, so you walk away from all of them. Maybe you have a poor experience with a parent or a teacher or pastors, and then you begin to believe that all authority is bad and wrong and harmful, and we push back, even God. Some pastors are even out there preaching against deconstruction, but I think it's simply because we lack an understanding of what it really is and the opportunity that we have if we were to look at it closely. Because there can be spiritual progress and a strengthening. So here's what deconstruction is. It's a sincere examination of your beliefs, seeking to let go of what is untrue and not stopping there so that you can hold on to what is true. See, deconstruction done well is a positive form of discipleship. A deconstruction of your faith, basically what I'm saying is it's a regular examination of is what you believe correct? Is what you believe true? It's healthy. Because over time, what can creep into your life is your own opinions, your own wants, your own will. Tradition can creep in. Oh, good Lord, don't get me started on that. There are churches that have a Bible and then a book, and it is their traditions. And it has nothing to do with Scripture. That's a true story. And if we are not careful, these things creep in and they'll skew the way we see the world, ourselves, and Jesus. So it's important that we deconstruct. Deconstruction is kind of like going to, uh, to a mechanic and getting an alignment on your car. Do you know when you first buy that car, those tires are aligned? They're aligned so that when you're driving down the road, you have a smooth drive. When you hit, you, when you, when you uh, 
are, are going through the, the curves and stuff. It keeps you on the road. Alignment's important because when you are, your tires are misaligned, they wear out faster. Your car is way more, you're way more likely to have other issues with it. You get that vibration in the car. Anybody ever felt that when you're driving? Like that. And it's not because you got a flat. It's because your tires are not aligned. You're in for a bumpy road. And when we walk out this Christian life not in alignment with Scripture, it's a bumpy road, y'all. Sometimes the bumpy road just comes, and that's what causes us to get out of alignment anyway. Issues arise in our life that we don't know what to do with, stuff that's brand new to us, hurts, questions, all these things, and we get out of alignment. Or we hear something cool that we really, really want to be true, right? I heard at one church service, God was like raining down gold dust on people. Like, I want that to be true. How cool is that? I don't know why. Gold dust. It's out there, y'all. People kicking off their shoes and having golden steps. And you can see, I'm like, did you just put some glitter in your shoes? What, just, what is happening? Probably. What is going on? It's important that we deconstruct, that we look and examine what it is we believe. We need to evaluate, get realigned for the best ride, the best experience. And it's the same with your faith. Jesus is all about deconstruction. In fact, if you look at the scripture, this is what he's doing in Matthew 5, verse 43. He said, you've heard that it was said. In other words, this is what y'all know, right? This is what y'all believe. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So let's be good to good people and slash the tires of the bad people, right? That's what that means. He says, but I tell you, let's go ahead and get in alignment. Love your enemies. Oh, no, that's not fun, Jesus. I like the other one better. How many of you like the first one better? Yeah, because we all have a certain set of skills, right? And we like revenge stories, don't we? But if we're going to get in alignment, Scripture says that God claims vengeance is his. Oh, we don't like that version of the story. We want the first one. No, but we pray. We love our enemies. It's a tough one. It means you serve them. You bless them. You pray for them. Even if it's through gritted teeth. We pray for those who persecute you. Five times in Matthew, Jesus said this. You've heard it said. You've heard it said. You've heard it said. And then he corrects them and offers them a realignment. What's he doing? He's deconstructing their faith. He's using it as an opportunity to disciple them. He said, you thought this, is, this to be true, but here is what is actually true. And with Jesus and Peter, we see him doing this over and over again in his discipleship process with Peter. Constantly bringing him back to what is true. And specifically, in, in Matthew chapter 16, we see Jesus with his disciples, and he asks his disciples, he says, hey, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And they give a list of people, and he's like, yeah, but who do you say I am? And impetuous Peter, boy, he speaks up. And he goes, I'm going to go King James Version on you. Thou art the Christ. He said, you're the man. You're the Messiah. And Jesus applauds his faith. Two verses later. Two verses later. Jesus tells Peter, hey, I'm going to build my kingdom on this revelation that I'm the Christ. I'm going to build my church on that. 
Two verses later, Jesus is telling him, hey, guys, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm gonna get, it's going to be bad. Stuff's going to go down. Don't worry. I'm going to come back from the dead. And Peter, Peter's like, no, you're not. That, that's not going to happen. We're not going to allow that to happen. He said, because, see, Peter had this perception of Jesus that he was coming as a conquering king, not a dying Messiah. And so Jesus, or Peter says to Jesus, yeah, that's not going to happen. And so Jesus does what Jesus does. First of all, he calls him Satan. You ever just looked at somebody and said, Satan? I don't recommend that you do this in any scenario, especially not your spouse. And I especially don't recommend that you tell him what Jesus told Peter, Satan, get thee behind me because she will cut me. I'm just saying, and it'll come from behind and I won't see it coming. So don't, so don't do that. But, but anyway, he says to him, he says, get behind me, Satan. And then he goes on to say, you do not have in mind. So we're talking about thoughts here, we're talking about what we understand, what we believe. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter's upset, but Jesus is discipling him. He's teaching him through deconstruction of Peter's wrong understanding of who he was. That Jesus as Messiah was not this conquering king. He's like, you thought I was going to become a conquering king, but I am here as a suffering servant. You thought I was going to achieve victory through conquest, but I'm going to achieve victory through the sacrifice of my life. And Jesus is helping Peter let go of what isn't true so that he can hold on to what is true. Now, if I were to ask you today about your belief system, would you say, just by a show of hands, that your belief system is based on the Bible? Would you say it's based on the Bible? Yeah. For, for some of us, I would just kind of challenge that. We believe that it's based on the Bible, but I think a lot of our beliefs, if we were to really examine them, are based on how our church teaches the Bible. Uh oh Or maybe, maybe it's based on what your family believes about the Bible and what they taught you as a kid and how you grew up in the house. Maybe what you believe about the Bible is how the community around you interprets the Bible. Because we all bring our own filters to Scripture and how we understand and see God and what we really believe. And we read the Bible through the lens of that family background. We read it, read it uh, by the way we were raised by parents or guardians or however it is you grew up, or the world you were raised in, the type of church you were raised in, or maybe you didn't go to church at all. And we pick up beliefs about God, some of them that are true and some that are not. See, not everything we believe about God is true. And if you can land in that place, then, then you can begin some deconstruction. You can find some things that are not true and begin to believe things that are. And it's, by the way, believing is not just about holding an idea and a concept and saying, yes, it's true. It's actually about walking it out. Right? The Bible says faith without works. Like you gotta, if you don't believe something, show me you believe it. <laughs> this, what's really funny is this, as preparing this message, I kind of got an opportunity to interact with somebody that believes some, something that was off. So uh, if you follow my wife on social media, and if you attend here regularly, you know we're going to Honduras on a missions trip. And for the past three years, I have offered up some of my flesh <laughs> to be tattooed for a fundraiser. And uh, this year was my third year doing it, and, um, and, and it was great. My wife posted the picture of the tattoo that was chosen for me. 
And somebody messaged her and said, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what was said. I will not name them. Don't get nervous if you're here. They're not here. <laughs> Read your Bible. Tats are sins. I said, can you go ahead and hand me that device? Because I'm not on social media. And I took over her messenger. And I asked the question that my grandma taught me to ask when false doctrine is presented. I said, what verses are you referring to? Here's the response. I don't know. I just heard my dad talk about it. Guess I was brought up old school. This is a true story. I, I asked if he was joking, and he said, I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. Here is my well-prepared response. <clears throat> if you were joking, okay. If you're serious, shouldn't you know the Bible verses you're using to call out sin? Because old school church traditions are not always biblically based. And lastly, I do know my Bible, and the only verse about tattoos or marking of the skin was forbidding it as it was used for ancestral worship found in Egyptian culture. The exact culture and world God delivered the Israelites out of. The Bible never forbids tattooing in general. In addition to that, Revelation says Jesus has a tattoo on his thigh. It was good, by the way, when I just kicked. I didn't. His response, well, we're still waiting on it, actually. There's not been a response. It's been a week of no response. <laughs> now, listen, as funny as that is, I've believed some doozies myself. Wrongly. So. And when you deconstruct your faith and you find out that things aren't true, you start going chapter and verse. Where does this come from? You, you let go of what's not true, and you begin to hold on to what is true. I'll tell you a few things that you can laugh at for me. Uh, years ago, I believed that I could pay for a miracle. I'm not going to give you all the background to that, but I came to understand that I could write a check and demand that God, like a vending machine, give me a miracle. Uh, it was for my mother who's sick, who, by the way, still has the same illness, uh, and it's been 18 years or so, maybe longer since that happened. I wrote a check. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. If the Lord tells you to write a check, be, be obedient to the Spirit's leading and, and to whoever or whatever that looks like. Because I didn't write it to a church. I wrote it to a person, and I had them pray for me. And I got a $15 book in the mail in return. It was a really large check, too. I was like, wow, that was an expensive book. It was an expensive lesson. So God doesn't work that way. You don't write checks to God and demand that he do something. But I, I, I misunderstood something. I mean, it was taught to me that way, but it was definitely wrong. Second thing is, I, I went to, went, wanted to go to Bible college, and I said, you know what? God's going to pay for Bible college. And you know what? God did. My grandmother sold her car. She gave me thousands of dollars. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. I paid off my car and bought some suits to go to Bible college. I showed up at Bible college. I got to the counter, and I said, one for Bible college, please. And they said, that'll be X amount of dollars. And I said, oh, you mean... Somebody's not going to step in front of me and pay for it like I heard it happen for so-and-so? <laughs> Come on, that's a painful lesson. There was this car I wanted, Dodge Durango. Do you all remember when the Dodge Durango came out? Oh, that extra seat. I was like in love. <laughs> An extra seat. Do you know how many young people I can cart around the city? Yes. 
And I heard about a guy who went out and marched around a thing. And God gave him the car. So I went out and found me a Dodge Durango. And it was raining. And I marched. <laughs> Seven times like they did over the walls of Jericho. It was raining. I was serious. I went to the hood. Everything was wet. And I wrote my name in it. And I said, Aaron's car on it. I came back a few days later after the rain had subsided. My name was still on that car because I had written it in the rain, so all the dust settled around it. I don't know how that works, but it was magic, and I thought it meant it was going to be mine. I didn't drive a Dodge Durango. <laughs> I was also told as a young man that if you weren't filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, with speaking in tongues is a biblical thing. I'm not going to shy away from that. But I was told that if I did not speak in tongues, that I would not go to heaven. Because, have, because that, if I didn't speak in tongues, it meant I wasn't filled with the Spirit. There's so much errancy in that. It's crazy. It's wrong. But they told me that, that, that the Holy Spirit was like a magnet. That when Jesus came back, that magnet would activate and would pull me to heaven. I couldn't find this in the Bible anywhere. There was no Holy Spirit magnet ever mentioned. These are things I believed. And there's many others, my friends. Had to deconstruct. Had to go, well, where are these things found in Scripture? And as much as you're laughing at me and we're laughing at the other people, you've got some stuff you picked up along the way. There's some churches that teach you that you can't go to the movie or you can't watch movies or you can't go to the movie theaters because you couldn't possibly love Jesus and do that. Some places that think dancing is of the devil. Other people believe, yeah, foot loose, there you go. Other people, other people believe that, that the way we operate is you're supposed to name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, see it and be it, you know? Like this, this is what we're supposed to do, that God is this big vending machine. Some people believe that if you vote blue, you're a Christian. Some people believe that only if you vote red, you're a Christian. They think that you're not allowed to date, you're not allowed to listen to secular music, you're not allowed to wear pants. To be clear, that's for women only. Women can't wear makeup, no shorts for the men, no facial fur for the men. Are you kidding me? This manscaping is what contours me. Like, I'm, I'll be done. I threaten to shave it all, my time, all the time. My wife threatens me back. I already told you she'll cut me. They believe no mixed bathing, and they're not talking about bathing. They're just talking about swimming. Can't do that. No instruments on the stage. No women preachers because of this misunderstood scripture. We have to do communion every week. We have to pray for an hour today. And if you don't say, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of every prayer, well, it's just not effective. God didn't hear you. What? Chapter and verse, please. Come on, can we all just learn that phrase? Chapter and verse. Well, as a group, like, you're, like we're all in unity here. Here we go. Chapter and verse. Yeah, just make it a habit. You hear something that doesn't set well? Chapter and verse, where's that in the Bible? Can you show it to me? And if they can't, that doesn't mean you dismiss it, but go on your own journey. Find a chapter and verse on that. Oh, man, one minute left. All right. They're flashing stuff at me on the screen. <laughs> Guess I talked a lot today, guys. I apologize. Jeez. Everything you believe about God may not be true. So when you discover parts of what you believe that aren't true, you don't have to leave the faith. You let go of what's untrue and embrace what is true. 
When you discover something you believe isn't true, what do you do? Unbelieve what isn't true, pursue what is true. How do you do that? Well, like my grandma said already, chapter and verse, there you go, chapter and verse. Chapter and verse, search it out. What's the source for what I believe? How am I reading it? Because I think it's important that you understand, especially when, you're, when you have some doubts or you might be a little confused on a topic, that how you interpret the Bible or how you approach the Bible is important. And I want to tell you that when you're looking in Scripture, the most important thing to do is find Jesus in it. Find Jesus in it. How is he interacting with people? What is Jesus saying? What is Jesus doing? Go hang out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look, if you're brand new to the Bible, I, that's fun. I had a great conversation with my friend Jason over here when he began his personal faith journey. And he said, he said Aaron, he said, I'm Catholic. I grew up Catholic. And he said, and, and the Catholic, they, they, we hang out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said, but I want to ask you, you're my pastor, where should I start in the Bible? And I said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where I want you to be. True story, isn't it? He's like, yeah, okay, all right, got it. Why? Because that's Jesus' story. It's in the middle of the book. It's the New Testament. And I want you to know Jesus. And all through Scripture, you can look for Jesus. And when you begin to see how Jesus loved, when you begin to see how Jesus interacted, I want you to look at all Scripture that you read through that lens of love. Look at it that way. Learn to read the Bible through the lens of Jesus' love. And if, again, if you don't know how to do that, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just hang out there. Hang out with Jesus. Get to know him. Be his friend. Watch him. Watch how he treated people. Watch how he treated the marginalized, those considered less than of that day. Watch. It's beautiful. And when you read the, through the lens of his love, you begin to see that as Christians that our goal isn't to be right. Our goal is to be loving. That's our goal. And so to my two groups of people today, those that are doubting or maybe considering leaving the faith, or those of you that are lovingly walking with someone who is going through their doubts right now, Remember Peter. Remember Peter. There was many ways that Peter's doubt was on display. It wasn't just on display on the day that he walked on the water with Jesus. There was another time, too, that Peter's doubt was on display. As Jesus is being tried at an illegal nighttime trial, Peter's just trying to get close to hear everything that's going on. And he's sitting around a fire, and three times Peter denies Jesus. I don't know the man. I don't know him. I, I, I've never met him. Pulled out his Instagram. See, I don't even follow him on Instagram. Like, look, isn't I? I don't know that guy. This is doubt. What was really at the root of that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he had some fears and some concerns for his personal safety. I'm not sure, but I know that that's a representation of doubt. And in John 21, after Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus came to Peter. And he said to him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, you know I love you. I'm just not the same way you love me. But Jesus asked him this three times. Do you know why he asked him three times? Because Peter denied him three times. He spoke to each one of those moments of doubt and offered healing and hope to Peter. And he met him right where he was. Peter, do you love me? He says, go feed my sheep. And Peter, as a result of being gracefully walked through his doubts, well, Peter's the one who stood up on the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit was given 
And he preached a message so powerful, 3,000 people said yes to Christ that day. He changed the world. Peter started that because his faith was built through his doubts. Doubt isn't the enemy of faith. Doubt is often an invitation to a growing faith. And it's no surprise that 30 years later, Peter's writing this letter in 1 Peter chapter 2. And he calls to the sheep. He calls to the ones Jesus had given him. He calls out to them because he understands their journey. He says, for you were like sheep going astray. Ah, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And who better to call people to Jesus than someone like Peter? Someone who had their doubts and was gracefully and masterfully discipled through a deconstruction process, letting go of what is not true to embrace what is true. Because see, what happened with Peter is that he came to know firsthand the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. That's why he was able to give it to so many others. He knew the good shepherd. He knew, and he knew Jesus as the good shepherd, not the conquering king, but as the suffering servant who laid down his life. My friends and members of the Doubters Club that are here today, those of you that are walking with others, that are deconstructing their faith, and you're helping them, I'm going to encourage you, don't leave because of your doubts. They don't disqualify your faith. You're welcome here. Doubt is your invitation to knowing God and a growing faith. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would begin addressing all of the doubts in our hearts today. Give us the courage to speak them. To, to, to say, I, 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 I don't know why I believe what I believe. I may not even know what I believe. But Lord, I pray that the, the specific doubts we have in our hearts, you would address them today. Lord, those hurts, or the unfair situations, or even the, the questions that we have, may we be able to place a pin in them. In some cases, put them on a hold and just continue to reach out to you until the day that we find those answers. There's some answers we're never going to have till we get to heaven. We're not going to know why a thing was done or why a thing wasn't done. And it's okay to have these doubts intact as long as we are pursuing you. So let our eyes focus on you. Let us, like Peter, when we lose focus and we begin to have doubts, to call out to Jesus. That as we reach for you, Lord, I pray that you would meet us right where we are in the midst of our doubts where we are drowning. For those of us that are walking with others, I pray that you would help us to walk in humility and grace to be slow to speak and quick to listen to help them navigate not by opinion but by your word through scripture through right and rightly interpreting it help us follow you better help us love those who are in the doubters club today because i know that even if we don't feel like we're there today we will be at some point May we extend your grace in a way that we would hope to receive it. Search us. Reveal the lies and the things that we misunderstand in our hearts. Help us to know you better. Now, I, I, I want to offer another prayer with head bowed, eyes closed. This is maybe for those of you that 
Maybe you're in the doubters club, but you say, I'm on the outside of this faith journey, Aaron. I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with God, but I want one. And I've got some questions and some concerns, but I'm, I'm at least ready to say, I've got faith to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And today, I, I want to say, I'm going to follow him. I, I may not do it all right. I may not have all the answers, but I'm ready to begin that journey. I'm ready to, to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And if that's you today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is to, to lift your hand right now. Say, hey, that's me, Aaron. Today, I'm praying that prayer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. And we're gonna, I'm going to give you the words to this prayer. Just mean them from your heart. In fact, church, I'm going to ask that everybody prays together. Nobody prays by themselves. So let's all say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. And make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me right where I am. Just how I am. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, the Bible says heaven is having a party. Guys, can we rejoice with those who said yes to Jesus today? Come on, you can rejoice better than that. Somebody just made a decision. Somebody just stepped into an eternal place in heaven with God. Man, that's a beautiful thing. And now they're on a Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.